guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, before I get too settled in, um, ushers, can you make sure those little cards, do you have some extra? Did anybody get a little uh, bookmark? If you didn't, I want to make sure the ushers get you one. Can you guys grab some? I think they're in the back uh, table. Yeah, do you have some? You got them. Okay, good. Thanks. All right, I'm not completely lost. Yeah, thank you. Good evening. All right, I'm settled now. Sorry about that. Um, it's good to see you guys. Let me just kind of see who's all out there. All right, this is good. Sometimes I miss some of you guys. It's been a great week. It's been a very busy week. Um, raise your hand if you're kind of familiar that God might be doing something in a different part of our country here through our church, right? You guys are aware of this by now? Yeah? Okay. In, in Texas? Okay. So go ahead and put up that first slide with a little jar of dirt. So this is actually dirt from Heath, Texas that has been sitting on my, uh, in my office for a couple months now, to be honest with you. And it just says, we've been waiting on the Lord and, and processing and praying, and we kind of had a call to action on Monday, and, and so the Lord is, appears to see to it that we're starting to work in Heath, uh, in Heath, Texas, which I'm really excited about. And let me just put this down here. I want to make sure I got all the right stuff. So you should have gotten this, uh, this little bookmark, right? And it's got the names of all those that are committing to, to be part of this church plant. We've asked them for a 6, 12, or 18-month commitment. Virtually everybody has given a 12 to 18-month commitment. Um, and so it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And so we wanted to provide this to you so that you will be in prayer for these people. So let me, let me um, these families, these singles, these couples, these couples with children. Um, so let me kind of give you a, a flavor of what's going on. This week, Pacific Column starts to move. Some of the wives are already there with their children, but the bulk of the employees are still here. Wednesday, they're going to start moving so that by Labor Day weekend, they're all set up, ready for business on, on a soft opening on Monday, which is Labor Day. Um, and then the following Sunday, which is September 10, we're going to gather for the first time. So I'll be there that weekend. Uh, we're just going to get together. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to talk about what the next steps are. So I would love if you would be willing to, to at least once between now and the 10th, which is two weeks from tomorrow, uh, try to pray for everybody on this list. Would you please do that? There's 30. When you add up the, the, the adults and the children, there's, there's, when we printed this on Thursday, there was 30. Now there's 31. And let me explain that. Huh. Whew. And potentially more. The Lord will figure that out. But Jenny Johnson is our administrator. She's been here for 14 years since the church started, essentially. Jenny's moving to Texas. She just let me know yesterday. So this is the first job Jenny got out of college. And she's faithfully served here for a long time. And she's, for a couple of years now, she let me know this when I started two years ago, that she's been wrestling for a while. Um, what's next for her? And, and would she ever pursue education for her career? Because that's what she went to school for, to, to be a teacher. So she's going to, she, we've known this since March, Jenny and, Jenny and I, that she was going to spend the better part of the remaining part of 2017 looking for what God may have next. This is before the Heath plant was even a possibility or even a thought in our minds. And so she's going to go there and she's going to start substituting at different districts and try to get settled in somewhere. And she's going to be our part-time administrator for the church. That works out really well. Is that crazy? 
So we're going to give her about 15 to 18 hours worth of work every week. There's, there's going to be lots to do in trying to get this thing up and running. So uh, we're, I'll let her tell the rest of that story, but some of the families that are going are some of the families that are very near and dear to her heart, and so this all just made sense for her. When she first told me this, right when I started, right after Pastor John retired, I says, Jenny, you can leave, but not now. <laughs> Dear Lord, not now. Let me settle in for a while. So she has really just been resilient and hanging in there and just pondering for the last couple years, and it's all just kind of fallen together. So be in prayer for, for Jenny as well. And that's why we knew we needed to bring in somebody else. We didn't know how that was all going to time out, but Lord, the Lord in his perfect timing worked, worked all of that out. So we got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. So please just keep that whole thing in your prayers generally and um, that list of people, I don't even know where I put it. I put it in my back pocket. Where did I slide that thing? I thought I have it somewhere. Be praying for um, those people specifically. Are we good? Did I do that okay? Pastor Dave, did I miss anything? Okay. Hey, it's good to be with you guys. We are in Ephesians. We're in Ephesians 4. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we have that second picture up? I missed that, didn't I? Oh, I want to, uh, yeah, see? So do you guys remember a couple of Wednesdays ago, three or four Wednesdays ago, we had, a, we had a, a kind of a gathering to ask these people if they'd be willing to go. And what they're holding is a Heath bar. Yeah. And just so you know, that was my idea. I spent like an hour in the, in the candy aisle. I'm thinking, what candy bar would go well for this? And, and it finally <laughs> dawned on me, a Heath bar might make sense. So I'm pretty bright. Um, so that was, we took this picture, and, and um, is that just sweet? And every one of those people is going to Heath to plant the church, to help us plant a church. So good stuff, man. The Lord is so good. We're just, we're just hanging on for dear life as he takes us on this wild ride. What a privilege it is to serve him and to watch how he works. Okay, i got a couple things. I'm going to open up with three different ways of putting something, okay? The first one's from C.S. Lewis out of a book he wrote called Mere Christianity. If you haven't read it, you should. He, Jesus, C.S. Lewis writes, he works on us in all sorts of ways. We know that to be true through nature, through our own bodies, through books, sometimes through experiences which seem at the time anti-Christian. But above all, C.S. Lewis writes, he works on us through each other. Men are mirrors or carriers of Christ to other men. I like that. Tony Evans, I have two from him. He says this, he says, God didn't put a hand on your wrist so that your wrist could look good. He didn't put a, a foot on your ankle just so you could have something dangling. Every part of you was prescribed to accomplish a function. A non-functioning, non-contributing body part is something that you would have checked by a doctor because something's wrong. That would make sense. Another one that Tony Evans says is this. This is a little, uh, it's a little harder, if you will. He says symbiotic growth is the growth that occurs between two organisms where both organisms benefit. Parasitic, <laughs> parasite, parasitic growth is growth that occurs in one organism because it's feeding off of another. Christians must ask themselves how they are functioning in the organism of the body of Christ. Am I a spiritual parasite, Tony Evans writes? Sing to me. 
preach to me, pray for me, counsel me, help me, but expect nothing from me. That is a parasite. A Christian interested in symbiotic growth says this, yes, I have needs, but I'm willing to give too because everyone needs to benefit. It's a good word, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, you have orchestrated the body of Christ and you have given gifts as you have seen fit so that we would operate as a healthy body. Lord, may we indeed have a symbiotic relationship with one another and with you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray. And everybody said, amen. So, let me get caught up to where you guys are at. Let me open to Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4, starting, okay, so we're in verses 7. Today we're in 7 through 16. And so starting at verse 7, Paul shifts from what all Christians have in common, that was verses 1 through 6, to how Christians now differ from one another. So he shifts in verse 7. Let's read 1 through 6 first to get a flavor before we see this shift. He says, I, a prisoner of the Lord, I implore you to walk in a worthy manner with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit that fills us all in the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And then in verse 7, he says, but to each of us, and then he talks about the differences. So Paul starts discussing, in verse 7, he starts discussing variety and individuality within the unity of that Spirit. Hmm. A huge part in, and we met over this last week, a huge part in preserving the unity, look back in verse 3, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. A huge part in preserving the unity mentioned in verse 3 is having a clear understanding that we have variety. If we don't understand we have variety, we won't realize that's how we keep unity. And so that we can appreciate that and respect it and anticipate it and pray for it at times. God has given, God has given each and every one of us in this room, each believer, at least one spiritual gift. Turn to your left. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A little to your left. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7. Paul writes, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries. It's the same Lord. Okay, so you have spirit, and then you have Lord as Christ. There are varieties of effects, but the same God. You see the Trinity, who works all things in all persons. But to each one, to each one is given. God has gifted you. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what, does it say? For the common good. We we desperately need one another church desperately for the common good these gifts are to be used for the edifying or the building up of the body of christ and if we don't use them then arguably the opposite happens 
And so we must make a distinction between spiritual gifts and natural abilities. Sometimes we get confused. God indeed does give us certain natural abilities, perhaps in mechanics, not mine. Art, not mine. Athletics, I thought it was mine. Or music, not mine. Clearly I have zero natural abilities. And perhaps some of us have some of those natural abilities more than others. But in the spiritual realm, see that's the natural realm, but in the spiritual realm, every believer is gifted by our God. Every single one of you is gifted by our gracious and heavenly Lord. And this gift is a God-given ability to serve God and others in such a way that Christ is glorified and believers are edified. Each one, this gift that you have is a God-given ability to serve Him and one another in such a way that the Lord is glorified and we are built up and edified. Amen? Let's read Ephesians 4, starting at verse 7. Ephesians 4. i got to turn back. I was in Corinthians. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 7. But to each one, to each one, to each one, not to some of us, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says that when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things in how he's gifted us. And he gave some as apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up or the edifying of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, woman, to the measure of the stature which belongs to Christ and the fullness of Christ. That's our measuring stick. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceit. But speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, which is Christ, from whom all of us, the whole body, is being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. And it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Wow, there's a lot there, church. There's a lot there. I'm going to put up our outline, and I'm just going to ask you to leave it up until I work through it. So um, verses 7 through 10, it, I'm calling it gifting. It's God's gifting. He talks about his gifting to each and every one of us. And then verses 11 through 12, the reason that he gifts us is so that we will serve him and one another. So he gifts us, there's this gifting so that there will be serving. And when we're, get, when we're exercising our gifting and we start serving, then we start attaining maturity in verse 13. And then as a result, we're no longer children, but we're mature, we're adults. And so the result is something fantastic, which will break all this down. So leave that up. When I was studying, I just thought, you know, okay, there's a lot here, Lord. What do you, you know, and I just think that this is the, the essence of these uh, 10 verses or whatever it is. 
So how did I get to this outline? Check this out. Verse 7. But to each one of us, this grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, so he has gifted each of us. To each one of us, right, there's this gifting. And that's what 7 through 10 talks about. And then look at this serving. Where did I get the serving from? It says in verse 12, right, so in verse 11, he gave some you know, the leaders, these prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, and then he equipped to equip the saints so that all of us for the work of service, right? That's the whole point of it. He's, he's gifting us so that we will serve, right? All that took place, 11 and 12, for the work of service. That's why. What, what is this gifting for? It's for the work of service. So we have a gifting so that we can be serving, and then this, this attaining is verse 13, until we all attain. That word attain means to reach as in a destination. Have you attained your destination? Have you reached your destination? Not yet. And so he gifts us so that we can serve because he has a destination in mind for each and every one of us that we will discover through our gifting and through our serving so that we can attain something. Wow until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. How can we possibly know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, outside of serving within our gifting because Jesus came to serve? We can't know him. And then lastly, this resulting, you can see in verse 14, as a result. So it's this gifting so that we're doing this serving, so that we're doing this attaining so we have this resulting effect in our life. I love it. So let's look at our gifting. Let's reread verses 7 through 10. But to each one of us, grace was given, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all heavens so that he might fill all things. Okay, so let me quickly reference this verse 8. I just want to kind of get this, not, I don't say out of the way, but verse 8 references Psalm 68, right? He ascended on high, led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. The essence of Psalm 68 is that, a, is that of a military uh, victor, a uh, conqueror, if you will. The essence of the psalm is that a military victor has the right to give gifts to those who are identified with him. And that's us. In Christ's victory, we have victory. So that victor, Christ gives gifts to those who are identified with him. And Christ, having captivated, captivated sinful people by redeeming them, is victor and gives them gifts. And then he gives them as gifts to the church. Right? So he gives us gifts, and then he gives us as a gift to the church. Mm. So, that's verse 8. Verse 9, this... He descended and then he ascended. In context, this refers to Christ's death and burial in the grave. In his death, Christ had victory over sin and he redeemed those who would be given as gifts to the church. So those just make sense when they go together. So the first thing in these four verses, the first thing I hope that all of us see is this. <laughs> and it's how it opens in verse 4. I'm sorry, in verse 7 that each one of us 
a grace was given. To each one of us, a grace was given. To each one of you, a grace was given when you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ. He gifts you. How? A, according to his measure. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. He knows how to fit you perfectly for that gift. He knows what would fit you just perfectly. He decides that. And then we thank him for the gift that he's given us. So we're given a gift according to Christ's measure. And at the end of this section in verse 10, so that he might fill all things. He's given us a gift according to his measure so that he can fill all things. He can mature all things, complete all things. For some reason, the Lord uses us. And so he gifts us so that he can fill all things. Mm. And so he gifts us according to Christ's measure so that he can fill all things. And he gifts us I'm sorry, I'm backtracking. Let me go back to according to Christ's measure. Let me just kind of repeat. So we are each given a grace. We are each given a grace. Each of us is given a grace, and this grace is a gift. It's a gift from our Lord. He's given us a gift, and the gift is measured. The gift is measured. The Lord knows each and every one of us and has gifted us in a measured way. That means it's very specific, it's very thoughtful, and it's very purposeful. And so I ask you, how are we stewarding his measured gift? How are you stewarding his measured gift in your life? Are you stewarding his measured, thought-out, purposeful gift how prepared are we to answer the lord's inquiry in our lives about how we are exercising this gift or this grace how prepared are we if the lord was to inquire how are you exercising the gift that i've given you so he gives us a gift according to his grace according to his measure and also so that he might fill all things at the end of verse 10 a big role in Jesus' leadership is giving to each member in the body. Giving to each and every one of us in the body of Christ so that all might be fulfilled. That's what it says. To each one, grace was given according to his measure at the end of verse 10 so that he might fill all things. What that means is things are not filled. Things are not complete unless we are all doing our part. I'm telling you, that takes a lot of pressure off of me. You get what I'm saying, right? Like, this is all about you. This is all, if we're not all doing our part, then things aren't filled. He does that so that he might fill all things. Look at Colossians 1, verses 18 and 19. See, we know this, right? Christ, he is the head of the body, which is the church. He is the beginning, the, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And so he puts us together as those pieces within the body. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And so he gives us the measure of our gift so that he can fill all things.
All right, let's look at the second part, this serving part, right? So we've been, we have this gifting, and now we're to do this serving. Look at verses 11 and 12. And so he gave some as apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints so that we can all get to work in serving, which is that service is ministering so that the body of Christ is built up. We know these verses that I'm going to show here in a second. Go ahead and put it Matthew 20. Why is this important? Because it's what our Lord has commanded us to. Even Jesus said it's, he says, it's not this way among you, church, Christians. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall, must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We can't really be Christ-like or Christian outside of serving in the way that Christ serves. It's just not possible. So let's talk about a couple things in these two verses. I want to talk about the prerequisites and the post-results. The prereqs and the post-results. Let's look at the prerequisites. Look at verse 11. In verse 11, the Lord provides certain roles for leaders. That's essentially how I would summarize it. In verse 11, the Lord provides certain roles for leaders, leaders or shepherds. And the first part of verse 12, the Lord provides certain roles for laity or saints. So you have shepherds and saints or leaders and, and laity, however you want to say it, right? The prereqs are that we need obedient leaders. That's what that says. He gave some as these things in verse 11 so that they would equip the saints so that all of us can get to work. So the prereq is that we need obedient leaders. And we need obedient laity. We need obedient shepherds and we need obedient saints for the work of service. That's what those verses say. Shepherds, be obedient. Saints, be obedient. Leaders, be obedient. Laity, be obedient for the work of service. We're all to serve. And so what that tells me is I am not one ounce more obligated to be obedient than you are. Not one. We're equally obligated to be obedient to our Lord, to serve in the gifts that he's given each one of us. So that's the prereqs. The post-results are this, the end of verse 12. The results are the building up of the body of Christ. If we don't do that, that doesn't happen. So that's the post-results. When we're obedient leaders and obedient laity or obedient shepherds and obedient saints, then the body of Christ is built it's built up. It's strong. It's healthy. It does what God wants it to do. This building up, this edification hinges upon everyone doing their part. Everyone. This building up requires that each and every one of us do our part. That's what Scripture says. So I ask you, what is your work of service? What is your work of ministry? I, so I hope on some level you can understand this. It's always a perplexing thing to be up here because I want to encourage you, yet at the same time challenge you because I think that's just what we signed up for, right? And I hope I do that well. What is your work of service? What is your ministry? If the Lord were to ask you, 
How are you building up the body of Christ? How would you respond? How are you building up my body? How would you respond? The purpose of those listed in verse 11 is to equip the saints for ministry. That's the purpose. To equip the saints for ministry. To give the saints stability both doctrinally and practically. And we talked about that last week, right? Doctrine and duty, word and walk. Riches and responsibility. And so we're to equip the saints as leaders so that the saints have stability both doctrinally and practically. Both. And that's what leads to mutual edification, which is what verse 12 talks about. And so my hope and prayer, I hope and pray that that as we do our part, and I hope as leaders that we're doing our part, as, as we as leaders, as we do our part, as we respond, that you also do your part and that you would respond. It's just the way the Lord has set it up. And we're getting better at this, I think, as leaders. We're continuing to grow and mature and understand what it means to lead God's wonderful church. We love this church. It's a privilege and a joy to lead this church. And so we're getting better, I think, I hope. And we hope to continue to earn your trust as as you partner with us as we do. See, if we're not building up the body of Christ, my fear then is that the opposite might be happening, is that we tear apart the body of Christ. And we must never let that happen. Our third stanza is this attaining, which is verse 13. Until we all attain, all attain, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the, of the knowledge of the Son of God. So that's the first thing. That, and it starts with the word too. Until we all attain, the first one is to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The second one is to a mature man. And the third one is to the measure of the stature which belongs to Christ. So we are all to attain to those three things, to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of God, Son of God, to a mature man and to the measure of the stature which we find in Jesus Christ. If you recall earlier when I talked about that word attain, do you remember what I said? It means the word reach, as in reaching a destination. And so here... This is a verse, this is just another of many verses in Scripture where we actually can say, what's God's will? This is God's will, that we all attain to those three things. I don't know God's will for my life. Well, here's one of them. Here's one verse. Let me give you another example, just so you know that it's all through Scripture. Throw up uh, 1 Thessalonians. I shared this with Gilbert uh, Nunez um, recently. We were talking about the will of God. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for me? Well, Ephesians 4.13 talks about it, to attain these three things. Thessalonians talks about it. There's all kinds of places where God's will is absolutely made known. I wonder if we're doing these things. Are we rejoicing? This is really, really, really clear on what God's will is. This is one of many verses. Rejoice always. Do you do that? Do you pray without ceasing? Are you giving thanks in everything? Start there. Are you attaining to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God? Verse 13 of Ephesians 4. To a mature man? Are you attaining to maturity? Are you attaining to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ? I'd say that the Lord in these verses makes this body of Christ stuff pretty clear as well. 
What's God's will that the body of Christ function this way? That's pretty clear. More clear than our careers, perhaps, where we should live, what car we should buy, which college we should attend, etc., etc., etc. And sometimes we're focused on that part of God's will, and God's like, let's work on this stuff that's clear. What does the Lord want for your life? He wants you and I to attain. He wants you and I to attain, to reach our destination, which is the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of Christ. That's the destination that he has for us, according to verse 13. And by the way, look at the qualifier for who is to attain. What does it say? The third word in verse 13, until who? Until we all. Oh, okay. That's what he has for all of us. What's God's will for my life? To attain to those three things in verse 13. It's the same qualifier that we see in verse 7. But to each, grace is given. To each one of us, God's gift, His grace was given so that we can all attain. And it comes through understanding our gifting and serving so that we can be attaining. Hmm. So often, see, ultimately it's not about being Christian what does that really mean? it's about being Christ-like it's not about being Christian it's about being Christ-like you can say what does it mean to be a Christian that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people you say what does it mean to be Christ-like that's pretty doggone specific And so that's what verse 13 tells us that we're to attain to, to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to Christ. In other words, Christ-like. Lastly, this resulting, let's read verses 14, 15, and 16, because I think the results are fascinating. As a result, as a result, we are no longer to be children. (laughs) Like, this is kind of interesting, right? Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Like, we weren't really talking about doctrine. We were talking about serving. Interesting, isn't it? By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up, not be children, be mature, grow up, into all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body is being fitted and held together with every uh, every part working properly. And it causes the growth of the body for the edification of itself in love. Hmm. So what that means to me, listen, only by serving, only by serving and ministering within the body of Christ can we fully gain maturity. We can't just read His Word and read His Word and read His Word and read His Word and think we're mature. That's not how it works. Only by serving and ministering in the body of Christ the same way the head of the body did, can we fully develop. When we realize that we are each given a gift and we use it to serve one another, we attain a unity of the faith and a true knowledge of Christ. How can we understand the truest of all servants unless we are serving in the gifts that he's given us according to his good measure? Can't be done. And so the results... We saw in verses 14 and 15, we're no longer to be children, but we're to grow up. No longer children, it says, tossed here and there. 
I find it captivating that outside of our gifting and outside of our serving, we are susceptible to every wind of doctrine, trickery, craftiness, and deceit if we're not serving. But we're to grow up. It says we are to grow up. Verse 15 says, into him, into all aspects of him. Which aspects of him are still lacking in your life? We are to grow up in all aspects, all into him. Which aspects of our life, our lives are still lacking? And is it due to awareness or is it due to stubbornness or disobedience? Which aspects of our lives are missing, are not developed? We cannot grow up into all aspects into Him without understanding our gifting and, of course, serving accordingly. Can't do it. We can't fully understand the doctrine of Jesus until we begin to live out the doctrine of Jesus. It's in the context of living with each other, serving each other, understanding and celebrating our different gifts that we grow up. And then we're able to hold to the truth in love. That's where the truth really becomes alive. But speaking the truth in love, that means holding to the truth in love, in serving one another, is how we mature. So let me close with this. We, we cripple, we cripple or hinder the body of Christ of which he's the head of that body. When you and I fail to do three things, fail to discover, develop, and deploy the gifts that he's given us. Let me say that again. We cripple or hinder the body of Christ of which he's the head. When you and I fail to discover and to develop and to deploy the gifts that he's given us. The body of Christ cannot function as the body of Christ unless the body of Christ actually performs the duties of the body of Christ. Let me say that again. The body of Christ cannot function as the body of Christ unless the body of Christ actually performs the duties of the body of Christ. See, check this out. Hmm. Oftentimes we just miss it. Oftentimes we just miss it in the church as Christians. Paul doesn't miss it, but we do. See, Paul emphasized body growth. Paul emphasizes body growth, not self-growth. And that's how a lot of people pick churches. It's how a lot of people go about their faith is, I want to grow. I need to grow. Paul never emphasized that. We can't truly mature outside of body growth. Paul never emphasized individual personal growth. It's about becoming part of the body of Christ, of which Christ is, I'm the head of the body. May we emphasize body growth, and that's where we will mature. Amen? Wow, that went fast, for me at least. Let me pray. And when I'm done, our prayer team will be available uh, down here to my left. If you need prayer, please go see our prayer team. Be praying for the things that the Lord is doing in Heath. Please. Lord, we thank you for this challenging word. Lord, on some levels it's uncomfortable for me and I, 
I'm sure, uncomfortable for others here, but it's the truth, and the truth, when we know it, you say shall set us free, and Lord, we desire to be free, and you have set us free indeed. Lord, help us to understand more fully and to commit ourselves more deeply into knowing what it means to be the body of Christ. Lord, we're flawed, we're broken, we wonder how how you can use us with those flaws and in our brokenness. But you do, because you've gifted each one of us. And when we understand that, when we're serving in that capacity, then and only then, Lord, can we truly mature in Christ. We love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your holy word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Thanks for being here.